1: Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on. And for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com.
2: Mobile hunters, are you looking to make the move to saddle hunting this year? Or maybe you just want to add a few new pieces of gear or upgrade your current saddle gear. If that's the case, then head over to TetheredNation.com where they've got all mobile hunters covered. Whether you're new to saddle hunting or an old timer, Tethered is your one-stop saddle shop. From saddles to ropes, sticks, ascenders, whatever it is you need, they have you covered. I've personally been using their gear for the past three seasons. Now my base setup consists of the Phantom Saddle and the Predator platform. And if you're wondering why I've chosen to use their gear above all else, here's the Cliff Notes. They're innovative and pushing the mobile hunting forward overall. They cut no corners and prioritize the safety and performance of their gear. They care about the community that they've created, and their gear allows me to hunt free. And above all else, I like to support good people doing good work. If you're interested in upping your mobile hunting game, then head to tetherednation.com. This podcast is brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. Skull Brew Coffee roasts premium single-origin coffee guaranteed to deliver The freshest coffee directly to your doorstep. The kicker, they're 2% for conservation certified and donate 10% of their proceeds back to organizations who support the interests of our hunting community. So go to skullbrewcoffee.com and pick up one of their three killer roasts and fuel your hunt and fill more tags with Skullbrew Coffee. Welcome to The Truth from the Stand Deer Hunting Podcast brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. I'm your host Clint Campbell and you're listening to episode 218. Today I'm joined by Christian Williams of Archery Strong. We are talking about archery injuries, how to come back from them and how to prevent them. So stay tuned. All right, all right, all right. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you are doing well. Hope you are feeling fine on this. That was like a feeling fine, kind of like a Sylvester the Cat, if uh, for those of you that are Looney Tunes fans. Um, but it's been a little bit of Looney Tune around here with the amount of snow we have. I mean, I can't remember the last time I had this much this much snow. Last year, I don't think we really got any at all. And I'm going to be honest; it's really putting a putting a damper um, on my on my scouting plans, which is kind of a, kind of a bummer. I feel like I'm already behind in the off season. Just, uh, just started. Um, it, it was really the thing I was looking forward to, to keep me sane while I wasn't able to shoot a bow. Um, cause that's what I often do in the winter is I have a little inside archery range that I have in my basement and I'll use the winter to kind of, you know, not so much worry about arrow placement per se and more just kind of focus on, you know, maybe breaking some bad habits that I picked up over the course of the season and stuff like that. Uh, just, you know, I I shoot a fair amount, but you know, I don't shoot, um, maybe with the same type of intent during the season as I do in the off season. I guess the off season is really where I work on things. Um, whether it's, you know, getting a, a good break on my release. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, like this time of year, I'm really just kind of focusing on getting, getting a good break and not focusing so much on where my, um, where my, my pin is landing or where my arrow is landing. And then as the season kind of draws closer, it's like, I start focusing in on, on that more. So, um, of course, tuning the bow, kind of making sure it's all, uh, uh, ship shape and, and, and all that good stuff. But the reason I'm not able to do that this year is like, you've probably heard me talk about it and, you know, hopefully this will be the last time I have to talk about it. Um, But I had an injury this year and been kind of working through that. Uh, And I've mentioned in the past, my buddy Greg Litzinger had an injury in the past too, that he's been kind of working through similarly um, both kind of shoulder ailments. Um, And it just so happened we were talking the one day and there was a fellow that he turned me on to uh, Christian Williams from archery strong uh, who really kind of uh, takes a look at archery shooting archery um, and the mechanics of it in, in relationship to kind of like the, the biomechanics of the body and how it, Wants to work, how it should work, and how it's going to work. I guess maybe best for you, or you know, a very personalized kind of specific way. Um, everybody's body is built differently, so not any one technique is is appropriate for every individual person. Um, you know, and so we talk a little bit about that. But you know, I've been kind of struggling with this whole whole deal, and I figured, you know, what it might be good to have someone come on um, that you know works in this area specifically because um, I'm probably not the only one out there listening you know, or, or, you know, in the world who is dealing with some type of shoulder pain, shoulder issue that either is related to archery, um, you know, or maybe you injured it a different way or whatever the case is, but it's impacting your ability to shoot. And that's kind of where I'm at now uh, is that, you know, like I was saying, scouting kind of takes my mind off of that. And I'm able to kind of uh, go out and do some things I want to do hunting related. Um, When the weather's really bad like this, the only thing I have to do oftentimes is shoot in my basement. And I'm really not even able to do that at this point. You know, I did shoot a couple arrows uh, yesterday. Um, I think six arrows, um, and there was still some pain involved. So that's the first time I've probably picked up my bow in probably six weeks. Uh, it was better than it had been. Uh, so I think I'm making progress, um, but not still not where I need to be or where I would like where I would like to be. So with that, that's what we're covering here with Christian. Um, he's the owner of Archery Strong. You know, he talks a little bit about his background, but he has a background in this. This is what he went to. You know, what he went to school for. Um, and has a really deep understanding, not just from like the, the science part of it, from what he went to school for, but being a lifelong archery hunter, um, and, you know, and, and train in, training folks in, in a bunch of different ways, whether it's Olympic style lifting and stuff like that. So his uh, understanding of how the body works and how to get it to do what it needs to do and how it's going to function best is, uh, is, is very valid. Um, and I've found to be very helpful. So I hope that you guys find it helpful too. If any of you are going through any type of injury that you're rehabbing from. And he also, we also talk a little bit about preventative, right? So let's, let's avoid being injured. So we don't have to work through the rehab portion of it. So he talks a little bit about that and some things you can do to, um, you know, prevent shoulder injury. We, we really kind of focus on the shoulders as those are probably, you know, the most critical to, to an archery, um, archery hunter or a competitive archer. And so those are kind of the areas that we, that we most focus on. So with that, we'll go ahead and just jump into today's podcast. As always, I want to thank you all for listening all right folks welcome back to another episode of the truth from the stand deer hunting podcast and today i have on so for this might be new for the for the guests that we have on but for anyone who's been listening to this podcast since about oh i don't know end of november you've probably heard me belly aching and whining uh and, and i will admit to some whining i'm not too too uh manly to, to not to admit to that a little bit of complaining about some shoulder pain that i've had and sustaining an injury. And if you listen to the hunt for real podcast that I recently did with Tony Peterson, you know, we kind of talked about how I got that. I fell out of a fell, fell out of a tree as I was climbing and so forth. Um, and I've done a ton of different things to try to rem- remedy it. And it just so happens, you know, my buddy, Greg Litzinger had, uh, an injury last year that he went through and, um, he was just texting me earlier this week and was asking me how I was feeling. And I said, I was still trying to you know, kind of dealing with it. And he just so happened to be, I think, messaging with the gentleman that I have on the line today about the same exact kind of issue. Uh, That is because I'm talking to Christian Williams, who is the person who heads up leads and is the spearhead of Archery Strong, who kind of deals with helping folks either get back on the men, preventing injuries and overall becoming a better archer. So with that, Christian, how are you doing, my friend?
3: Yeah, Clint, I'm good, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me on.
2: Yeah. So was that a, did I, did I do you justice there, man? Did I, did I explain kind of what you do to a degree in, in a, in a nutshell, it was probably the most, uh, uh, the most layman's way you've probably ever had described what what you <laughs> actually do. Cause it's much more sophisticated yeah. than the way I explained it.
3: Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's totally okay. That's, uh, straight to the point. It's straightforward. And, uh, yeah, you nailed it as far as, my goal and, and my purpose with Archery Strong is it's to um, keep guys in the woods, prevent injuries, help resolve injuries and pain for those that have them and, um, and approach archery so that can <clears throat> make sure more arrows hit their mark. So.
2: Right. Awesome. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Well, before we jump into all that, I always like to just kind of have a frame of reference. So everyone knows who, who's on the other line with me. So if you wouldn't mind, you know, just tell me a little bit about yourself, what you do for a living and a little bit
3: about your background. Yeah, sure. So, uh, my name is Christian Williams. Again, I'm the owner of Archery Strong, and I am from Pennsylvania, uh, Clinton. I, I know that you're a Pennsylvania guy too. Yes. Cool. Yes, sir. Um, I I grew up uh, my entire life in uh, Western Pennsylvania, and just this past August, um, I married a, a special woman, and she she drugged me out here to. Um, central Pennsylvania, but no, she didn't, she didn't drag me out here. We're, <laughs> we're excited to be out here. Um, we are uh, just a little bit South of uh, Dubois and Clearfield okay. um, for any of the other Pennsylvania folks. So um, I'm here, I'm, I'm new to central Pennsylvania and um, I've done a lot of different things uh, up until this or up to this point in my life. And um, most of it has resolved around Human performance, sports performance, sports injury, and biomechanics—everything um, from um, strength and conditioning coaching, Olympic weightlifting coaching, CrossFit coaching, um, getting a degree in, in exercise physiology—but my big job was, or I would say, my main job that has led me to where I am today, it was a uh, four or five years since at a sports injury center, um, where my job essentially was to. Assess movement, look at movement patterns, look at how um, the individual's body functions, identify issues that are causing pain for that individual, and then correcting the issue or the injury for that individual through uh, what's called corrective exercises. So, the um, best way to, to describe it or put it is um, just the same way that a mechanic would uh, figure out what's going wrong with your truck and then. Fix it. I would figure out what's going what's going wrong with um, the performance of the movement of a person, and then fix it through uh, corrective exercise. So that was uh, the big um, the big experience in my life that eventually led to archery strong, which is the same type of approach um, that I used to work with with all kinds of different uh, athletes in general population. Um, but I've always had a love for archery. And I felt that there was a need for this. And a couple of years ago I, I just started putting out information and um I, I to be quite honest with you, Clint, I just at the time I thought that it kind of sounded like a, a cool idea, a fun idea, you know, thought, yeah, maybe I'll see what happens with it. And uh here I am, oh so I guess two and a half, no, almost yeah, just over three years ago. Um, here I am today and I'm now doing it full time, um, working Thanks. with all kinds of archers, all kinds of people, everything from relieving pain to preventing injury to, uh, the performance side of archery as well. So that's awesome. It's been, man. So, been a fun journey.
2: That's awesome, man. I, I love hearing when people kind of turn a side hustle or a passion into, you know, their, their day job, man, there's nothing, there's nothing better than being able to wake up every morning and, and do the things that you like to do. But how did, how did you kind of get into that overall kind of you know, performance, you know, um, training kind of aspect. Like I know some folks get into those types of things because maybe when they were a kid, like, you know, for example, really bad analogy, but my sister had (laughs) braces and stuff growing up. Right. And so she spent so much time at the orthodontist and with dentists, she actually went into dentistry, right. Or she went into that that side of the profession. Right. And so I'm just curious, was there an experience that you had at some point that kind of led you down that path that, well, at least to start down that path?
3: Yeah. Yeah. There, there was, and I, I, I'm laughing to myself because I love that you asked that question because, um, I I was sitting, I was in between, uh, coaching, uh, some different weightlifting seminars one day, uh, this past summer. And I was sitting there and I was, I was thinking that same thing. I was like, how the heck did I get here? I (laughs) I was just thinking, what, what, what was the first thing that kind of spurred this whole, uh, you know, path to, to where I am now? And I whittled it down all the way back to I believe it was sixth grade. <laughs> and in sixth grade we were still doing the physical fitness test
2: in yeah. gym. Yeah, I remember uh, those. As, the presidential fitness tests. Yeah, yeah.
3: Exactly, as like a measure. And um and one of the tests was uh how many pull-ups. Boys were doing pull-ups or chin-ups rather, mm-hmm. and girls were doing Uh, flex arm hang where they were holding their chin over the bar yeah and um and i remember that the the, there was a girl that went before me her name was nicole and she she lived pretty close to me and nicole went and she ended up doing eight chin-ups and i remember getting up on that bar right after her and i couldn't do a single chin-up and i remember (laughs) how terrible i felt so immediately after having that awful experience of being embarrassed by Nicole, I remember asking my dad if he would buy me a pair of, of dumbbells and I just wanted to start working out and it kind of fit too. Cause I was um, getting into football then as well. Mm-hmm. So we went to the local uh, sporting goods store and I remember the exact set of dumbbells um, that he bought me exactly what they look like. And, uh, and I started working out and I just remember just being just amazed at at what um what that could do to my body and and how it made me feel and i i remember you know i was just doing silly stuff at that point you know curls and different things Mm -hmm. but i remember going back later that year and i was able to do a bunch of pull-ups and i just remember how cool that was and from there um actually it wasn't too much longer uh after that that Um, I think I was about thirteen or fourteen, my parents went through a rough divorce. And I remember uh I I really used fitness and the gym as my escape. I would Mm -hmm. come home and I would eat and I'd spend a couple hours in the basement lifting, or um I'd go to my mom's apartment and at her at her apartment complex they had a little gym that I would escape to and and lift for a while. And uh so I started doing that and, and just really enjoyed it. And then um oh, it was I was in high school by that time after a few years. And, um, I trying to think of the timeline, I, uh, was kind of having trouble finding my niche. I, I didn't want to play baseball I was done playing football. And I eventually, I found uh, CrossFit for a friend hmm. and it was exactly what I was looking for. Yep. So I spent a handful of years <clears> in CrossFit <throat> coaching, CrossFit competing in CrossFit and, and really just was consumed with that. And that was an awesome experience um eventually kind of fell out of that um uh, did some olympic weightlifting and some different things but around that time i was searching for another uh avenue to, to really um just put my focus into and be challenged by and to you know just uh good obstacles to overcome and i was in my late teens around that point and um that's when i really got into archery i had had a bow when i was a boy and you know shot shot um you know like uh, many people do throughout their childhood but nothing serious but it was at that time when i was transitioning out of competing in weightlifting and crossfit that i was really looking for for something to dive into and that's what um led me to archery and and back to your original question that's kind of what uh the 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 path of of you know training and and uh, human performance that that led me to archery and then ultimately to combine both this human uh, component and then the together too.
2: Right. So it sounds like it was like you recognize the adaptation aspect of things, right. That like when you apply the pressure, so to speak, right. You, the, the body changes and, you know, it, it sure. adheres to the, those pressures, you know, or, or conforms or changes based on those pressures. And you were like, if, well, if you can do that for football or CrossFit or anything else, it would only make sense or stand to reason that you could kind of apply right. the same philosophical pressures. You know, to a different sport, be it archery or whatever, and that the body will respond accordingly based on that, and you can increase your performance through those things.
3: Sure, absolutely, cool, yep, absolutely.
2: Yeah, it's interesting, man, because you know, <clears throat> just kind of hearing you go through your timeline and stuff like that. Um, it, you know, when we talk about adaptation, it's like people might be listening, and going, like, you know, we're going to get to some archery stuff here, and so there'll be some, you know, key takeaways for folks out there listening in terms of, you know, some insights into injuries and so forth. Um, but when sure. you start talking about adaptation, like there's, there's through lines there when you talk about like bow hunting in general, right? Cause like the, the, I think the name of the game overall, when you're bow hunting is adaptation, right? Cause you lay a plan or you learn 100%. through scouting or whatever yep. the case is. And, and you have to then adapt your body's no different. It's constantly learning just like you are. And you're teaching it with all the different movements that you do, whether you're doing correct movements, incorrect movements, abusing your body, not abusing your body, taking care of your body, et cetera your body's reading that as they're reading puzzle pieces, just like you would a strategy to to kill a, to kill a big deer and it's responding yeah. that way. So the inputs yeah. equal the outputs to, to a degree um, which you know, for me, it's like I had that epiphany probably later in life than you did. Um, it was more around wrestling. Cause that was what I did growing up. And it was when I decided mm-hmm, to get mm-hmm. similar to you. It's like, I got really serious about it. Cause I was like, you know, I want to, I need to enhance my, um, cardiovascular capabilities and I need to, and I need to get stronger. And so I started just training like a madman running before practice wrestling, you know, during our two and a half, three hour practice, whatever it was. And then I'd lift for like an hour and a half after practice. And like the way my body changed and my capabilities changed was like, I mean, it almost at that age, it almost happened overnight because your body is just so willing to, you know, accept whatever malleable. Yeah. 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 And it's, and it's crazy. Mm -hmm. And so I went from, you know, maybe struggling in some matches to where it's like I just started the The telltale for me was I started beating kids who were clearly because I started wrestling late in life and I was beating kids who had been wrestling since they were in elementary school who on paper were better than me and higher rank than me. But if I could get them to the third, I knew if I could get them to the third period and, and I was close, I I would beat them because I would just continue mm-hmm. apply, applying mm-hmm. the pressure because I was so well, so well kind of trained in terms of my you know, in in terms of my wind, I just never got tired, you know what right. I mean? And so I was as good to go with a minute left in the third period as I was starting the match. It was no different, you know? Yeah. And so, and Absolutely. that was kind of my strategy was just like, keep it close to the end and then I'll get him in the end because I'll just wear them out. And that was, and that was what I did. But anyway, getting back to, archery and bow hunting before we dive into some specific things around like training prevention and all those things, man, how was, uh, how was your season? Yeah. You're pretty good or how'd, how'd you end up?
3: Huh, this season was hands down toughest season I've had yet. Um, mm. and I say that because, um, as I mentioned, uh, just a few minutes ago in our conversation, I, well, let me, I mean, I got married in August, so that's mm. when everything really changed, but uh, I think it was june fifth June fifth um this year is when at least around me everything opened back up and for two months two months i worked like I worked like a madman uh, work going up or leading up to our wedding um between coaching coaching weightlifting and, and archer strong just working a ton so I didn't scout it all then uh, got married, obviously spending time with my wife and focusing on my wife uh, got married, moved to Central ish Pennsylvania in that beginning of August moment. Uh, We're spending time together. Um, She's a teacher, so she was getting ready for the school year. Um, I was still working on Archie Strong. You know, just so much going on. Point being is that um, I did not have any time whatsoever to doubt at all uh, Hmm. around around our new house. Um, I didn't, I don't think I set foot. Uh, I might have set foot. No, I didn't. I just drove through all the public land around here, just marking access points. Right. Um, that is the only thing I did before season started. So, um, no idea, you know, where I'm going, what I'm doing. I, I had never truly uh, hunted, uh, public land before being up here. Mm-hmm. Um, back home, I hunted, uh, entirely private, um, had some really good spots there and right. still do that um you know you learn over time as the seasons go especially these smaller parcels in um southwestern pa um yeah you know 30 acres 50 acres uh you learn them pretty well right. and leaving that and coming to something totally new which is this pretty vast public land the game lands that i spent most of my time on was um i think like 16000 acres mm-hmm. and uh and it was a challenge uh it was it was extremely humbling. Um, very, very different from what I'm used to. I'm used to hunting, um, a a mixture of farms and kind of suburban areas, right. Housing developments and whatnot, uh, which I really enjoy. And up here, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of, it's a lot of hill country, a little bit of mountain. Um, and it, it was tough. Um, but I learned a lot, you know, you, you nailed it there just a couple of minutes ago and you were talking uh, the two words that jumped out at me were, uh, growing and learning.
4: And, yeah.
3: and that's what this year, uh, was for. I, um, I, I learned a lot, had a lot of fun. I had a couple, couple encounters with, with, uh, a few bucks. That was pretty cool. Nice. Um, was not able to, to kill a buck, but, um, just about, oh, uh, well, maybe three quarters of a mile down the road from my new house here. Um, I had been driving by a, a small 10 acre property and little horse farm. And it just, it just looks really good. It looked like it had a lot of pinch points, had a pine, kind of a pine thicket on it. Mm-hmm. And one day I saw, one day I saw, um, the guy out in his driveway working on an old truck. So I was like, you know, what the hell I'll, I'll stop by and shake <laughs> his hand and, and, ask him if I can hunt. Um, and I've had a lot of practice with coming from Southwest PA and no, not much public and all private. I have, I've had a lot of practice asking permission and, um, talked to him for a few minutes, just told him what my deal was. You know, um, mm-hmm. I just moved here. I'm looking for a place to hunt. I don't, I I'm, I'm having trouble, um, you know, getting on deer. I know you don't have a big piece, but would you mind if I hunted it? And he said, yeah, you know, yeah, that's fine. You can try, he said, you can try, but it's pretty tough to get up, up in that pine. You'll likely just blow them out. And I said, okay, well, yeah, thank you. Let's right. Look forward to be able to hunt. And, um, uh, never set foot on the property, October 31st, Halloween. Went into that property um, with a with some sticks in the stand, and had picked kind of a pinch point out based on what I saw on the map between a horse fence and a little farm pond where I thought I might get a shot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also, for some reason, i I thought it might be hard, might be fun to make it harder on myself this year. And that that night, I took uh, my recurve, <laughs> which was uh, my first first season with a recurve, and had a goal of uh, killing a, a a deer with, with that. And, nice. uh, sure enough, it just all came, it just all came together. It's picture perfect. The wind was great. Um, deer came out, um, it did exactly what I was hoping would do. do. Big mature doe came, uh, right below me. And I was able to make a seven yard shot with uh, my recurve first week of deer. And, uh, that was by far the highlight of my season and, and, uh, truly one of my favorite, um, nice favorite kills that I've ever had. That was, that was awesome. So, um, Excellent. that was the highlight of the season. Um, besides that, I, I was able to uh, kill a doe, uh, towards the beginning of the season back home right. on a property. I I'd, I'd taken a quick trip back home, nice. um, and, and was able to get some meat that way, but, uh, humbling year, fun year and, and looking forward to uh, giving it hell next year too heck yeah
2: man that's awesome a, a recurve kill you can't you can't beat that man, and that's uh you know that's like i i can totally um relate to that kind of move from hunting familiar territory and familiar ground to moving on to more vast uh unbroken you know yeah, non non farmland exactly. right because you no longer have that natural structure that. Uh, property lines create or farm habitat and stuff create and so it becomes you know a lot more paying attention to um terrain features and you know how habitat breaks you know subtle habitat breaks within or habitat diversity within those larger tracts of land and stuff like that i do enjoy hunting big woods i do spend my time you know voluntarily actually (laughs) in some big wood settings which are really challenging (laughs) to hunt god bless you yeah (laughs) (laughs) but uh it's uh it's the challenge i think that that always brings me back to it. Um, that, and in those areas, man, yeah. I'm telling you, mm-hmm. you, I mean, I'm not telling you anything. You probably don't already know, but you just spend yourself a little bit of time in there and you'll probably get on some of the biggest deer you've ever seen would be my guess.
0: Right. Um, because right. they're, they're
2: right. there. Um, you know, and especially in those, I, I know roughly I have some family up in, in, in Dubois. Um, and so I kind of know, I know the area of some somewhat, so to speak, just generally speaking. And I, yeah. I, know, I know there's some some good deer in that area. Just a matter of yeah. um, just a matter of finding them, but uh, but moving on, man. Let's let's head into some s- to some specific, you know, archery strong stuff, man. Because I have, like I said, I kind of learned of you through Greg Litzinger, um, you know, and he kind of turned me on to to, to what you do. And Mm -hmm. him, him kind of knowing what I'm going through, he's like, Hey man, this would probably be a great guy for you to talk to and have on the podcast. (laughs) And so it literally, he said that. And I literally, in the next 30 seconds, I messaged you and I was like, you are correct. So the the first thing I want to kind of ask, you know, first and foremost is, you know, from your perspective, I want to just get a sense of what some of the most common injuries are that you're seeing in the archery space and what the causes of those are.
3: Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, when I first started this, I thought I thought the, the vast majority of issues that I was going to see would be draw shoulder issues, you know, the shoulder that you draw your bow with. And, and I do see a lot of uh, issues with the draw shoulder, but um, I would say that it's it's pretty equal uh, between bow shoulder, the shoulder that is holding and supporting the bow and draw shoulder. Um, that's always something that people are curious about and, and often surprises people it surprised me um hmm. and <clears throat> with that being again about 50 50 um there's like you said a couple of big things that stand out or, or some of the most common things that i see um right off the bat i would say that one of the number one things that i see or issues that i see is a guy will come to me or a girl Uh, and they'll say, Hey, um, I've been shooting for a long time. I, I, I've been shooting, shooting well, haven't uh, had any issues up to this point, but I started to have pain or I started to have an issue uh, a month ago or two months ago. And We we dive in and we start talking about it. Okay. Trying to figure out, you know, what was the change? What happened? This and that. And long story short, one of the biggest things that I see is people will, for a variety of reasons, people will, particularly with the draw shoulder and drawing a bow, they will force themselves into a draw style or a movement pattern, as I'll call it, that doesn't work for their shoulder. Mm. And what I mean by that is, um, I I think I had two two new archers this week, uh, just alone Mm. that that was, that was the issue where um someone will come across uh an archer will come across something on the internet or they'll come across video or uh someone will give them some advice. And the advice will be something along the lines of you have to draw like X. You have to draw like Y. Right. Uh and a lot of times that information is has good intention, right? <laughs> um they, either based on the person's experience, they're saying you should draw this way, or based on um, Some thought, you know, the the individual say you need to draw this way. But what ends up happening is that the, the wrong person will get a hold of that and they'll try They'll say, hey, this sounds good. And they'll force themselves into that draw style where, you know, the video said you have to draw with your arm up over your head or a really high elbow, or you have to draw with your arm flat in parallel to the ground coming across your face. Um, So they'll hear these things. They'll say, okay, well, I guess I need to do that. And essentially, again, what happens is the archers now force themselves into a draw style or a movement pattern that doesn't work for their individual shoulder. It doesn't mean that that draw style is wrong or bad. It just means it doesn't work for them. The comparison I make, uh, a couple quick ones, because sometimes this can be a little abstract. But if you, if you watch 10 major league pitchers, they're mm-hmm. all going to look pretty similar as far as how they're throwing a ball. But if, you, if you're really to look at that and analyze, you'll see some differences in the angles that they're throwing with and some of the positions they're in. Because each of their shoulders is a little bit different. Or another example, is if, you walk, if you walk into a gym and you see five people lined up at a squat rack, all five of them are going to be doing a squat, but, and they look similar, but they're going to be different as far as how deep some of them are going, how much torso uh, lean forward. Some of them have how much, um, how much um, the, the shins are going to angle forward. And all of these things are just uh, referring to the idea that everybody's everybody has a similar body, but not exactly the same. Right. And when you, when you force, in, in our example, in archery, when you force a shoulder to work outside of what its it flexibility allows, what its stability allows, what the, the structure actually inside how that shoulder was created, when you force it outside of that, then that's where you can start to really develop some irritations some compensations mm-hmm. uh, and, and some issues in that shoulder. So to right. um, answer your question. Forcing yourself into a draw style or draw position that doesn't uh, doesn't feel good for the archer's shoulder uh, is is one of the biggest things I see and one of the biggest causes of pain. And hmm. I to finish up that thought, I normally guide people along the lines of: Does it feel comfortable? Does it feel smooth? Is it pain free? And does it feel strong? And if you've got those four things, then you're probably on a, a pretty good path. Right. That's so, interesting. That's, um, that's interesting, that's, man, because.
2: No, I was just going to say, that's interesting because, you know, when you, you know, for me at least, you know, I've done a lot of, um, you know, work with, with Greg and I'll just kind of reference Greg cause he's kind of, Greg's shot competitively and stuff like that. And he's kind of the guy I go to, you know, if I feel like I'm having form issues or whatever, I kind of say, Hey man, sure. I'm going to shoot a couple arrows, watch me shoot and tell me if you see any hitches in my giddy up, you know what I mean? Just to kind of, and I sure. usually do that every off season. Like I'll spend like an afternoon, he and I'll spend an afternoon shooting together and I'm just having him kind of watch me shoot, find where I might have some inconsistencies where I can just tighten things up to be more, more accurate, you know what I mean? And more consistent in my, you know, draw cycle and my release, everything. And, sure, and there's all, and, and like to his credit, he's never once told me like, Hey, draw like this, you know what I mean? Like yeah. he's given me some pointers yeah. to help me smooth out my draw, you know what I mean? Sure. But he's never said, Hey, draw like this. And I've, and I'm, you know, just like anyone else out there who's, you know, into archery. It's like i I've for sure watched videos, whether it was john dudley or whether it was you know chris be real or whomever you know what i mean um sure. like chris's videos or whatever and we just watch how they how they draw and it's interesting that you say that because both shoot competitively right john of course you yep. know was a, a big time marcher, or just you know levi morgan for example use another you know big sure. name that you know wins a ton of prize money um they draw differently like i'm thinking back to they watching do. the videos and i'm like they they, they look differently yeah. they look differently when they draw they and I think people don't kind of take that in, like, I've never really thought about it until I had this injury and I started going to a chiropractor where he actually, mm-hmm. my first session with him was not adjusting me. He made me go through a bunch of like different, like sitting, standing, walking, a bunch of different motions and just watched my body, you know, and sure. he was basically yeah. just doing like, you know, a kinetic kind of like visualization of how my body was moving and where I'm having hang ups just based, based on how my muscles are working together. You know, and and right. stuff like that to kind of get a sense of like where I'm compensating, you know, and it. Yep, exactly. that's when it dawned on me, and when as you said that, I'm like, man, that makes a, that makes perfect sense when you think about it, you know, especially when you give the analogy of the pitchers, they all have different angles, or golfers with a golf swing, you know, it's like there you go. There, yep, there's some there go. principles that you follow to have an accurate swing. Yeah. Like there's some fundamentals of like these are the things you want to do or accomplish, but how you get there is going to be in part based on what your body is going to allow you to do, which completely makes sense.
3: Yeah, yeah, very well said. Like you said, there there are parameters or, you know, sometimes I'll call them Mm must-haves that we need to see in the draw. And outside of those must-haves, you are going to see variables. You are going to see exceptions to rules. And, you know, you you picked out two archers there um, that you can easily watch on the internet, and they both draw they both draw differently and they actually draw quite differently too mm-hmm. um and <clears throat> again we're going back to this idea where um it's not that a draw style is wrong it's just not that it's that uh, a draw style is not right for everybody it, so there's there's draw styles that are not correct for everybody and there's draw styles that are um are not going to be wrong for mm-hmm. everybody too right. um, and, and there's so many there's so many variables that go into this and Um, this, this is one thing that I go over with archers and clients. When I get on an assessment with them, we'll, we'll talk through what they feel. I assess the shoulder to see what their range of motion is like to see which positions feel comfortable, which ones feel, uh, strong versus weak, which ones are painful versus pain-free. Um, talking about the history of, of, um, what they've done with that shoulder, how that shoulder felt, just a lot of different things, but, Mm -hmm. um, circling back to what you had asked, uh, that that idea of forcing forcing or making making a change into a draw style that doesn't work for somebody and then sticking with it uh is a big one the The other big one that I see is not so much uh related to mechanics or or form or anything like that, but it is a typically like a a sudden onset of Volume uh, or intensity when shooting a bow, and what I mean by that—those are, it is just fancy words. What I mean with that is, it's the guy who, um, you know, hasn't shot their bow for for a handful of months, and then they pick it up and they uh, all of a sudden shoot sixty arrows, you know, right, one day, right. and, and just just dive really, really hard back into it. Um, or they've been shooting, you know, a little bit on and off, but then they decide to just really ramp it up. Um, and what ends up happening is, uh, we get a a surplus or an overwhelming uh, amount of stress in some of those tissues in the shoulder or some of those muscles in the shoulder. Uh, and it essentially just develops into a more chronic long-term, uh, irritation, uh, in in some of those areas of the shoulder. So it's, it's not necessarily that the archer is doing anything wrong from a movement or a, a technique standpoint. It's the simple fact of, uh, hey, you got to ease into it. You know, it's the best way to put it. You've got to give, just like you were talking about earlier and you, you defined uh, some of that really well, but you've got to give a little bit of time um, to these structures and tissues and everything in your shoulder to adapt to the stress that you're placing on them. Adaptation uh, does happen fairly quickly. Our bodies are very good at that, but uh, it, it does still need time. And some of the more delicate structures don't keep up uh, as, as, Quickly or keep up as well uh, when you just dive back into something, so right. uh, there's a lot of that that i that I work through with people as far as um, adjusting volume and uh, figuring out where they need to be right now, and then we can build them up as we equip their their shoulders uh, right. to handle the the stress that they're seeing
2: right it's It's interesting because people don't think about archery maybe in the same terms as they would, you know, lifting or running or whatever right they sure. you know, people are pretty conscious of especially if you haven't run in a while you're not going to just take off if you haven't run for 3 months and in and, and run exactly. ten, and run 10 miles you know you're probably going to start yep. it off with like it. if you're in pretty good shape you might start it off with 2 miles you know what i mean if you're sure. not in great shape yep. to begin with you might start off with a mile right and just kind of work yep. your work your way up same thing with archery it's like if you if if, if you're a person at the end of a season who just kind of puts the bow away and gets away from it for a few months you know to you know, maybe you've got some family obligations or whatever the weather's crummy where you're at yeah. and you don't have an indoor place to shoot or whatever the case is and you're just not shooting for months on end, it's unrealistic to expect your body just to perform like it did three months ago, whenever it was in peak shape sure. for you know, pulling a bow back and, you know, and, and getting reps in. But with that, like, so say, you know, I'll just use me as an example, right? Cause I've gone through this injury and we haven't got to my specific injury yet, but you know, I, I've really ratcheted back the shooting because I just didn't want to irritate my shoulder anymore. You know what I mean? So Sure. if I were to get back into wanting to shoot more consistently, cause I'm a person who up until this injury, it's like I shot out of season, like spring going through summer, probably four to five days a week. And then as the season mm-hmm, hits, sure. I would shoot less because I was hunting versus shooting in my yard. So I'd maybe shoot two to three days a week during the season, you know? So I'm a guy who sure. likes to shoot a lot, but I literally haven't really shot at all. And since the end of end of November. So if I wanted to pick it up, say, you know, march and start shooting again, you know, consistently, what would your rep count be for me and what that would that look like in terms of like, you know, a responsible kind of buildup?
1: The nineteen eleven is one of the most iconic firearms in history, designed by John Browning. The nineteen eleven was the standard issue sidearm of the U.S. military from nineteen eleven to nineteen eighty five. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, Chris Trigger and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911, and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Sure. What's
3: your? What is the poundage of your bow? Uh,
2: 65.
3: Okay, got you. So, um, me being me, I I was joking with a, a new archer yesterday. That I was working with that. I apologize to him because I said thanks for your patience. I I know I'm very, very thorough, but I like to be thorough um, before I would dive into giving you a, a rep count, um, I'd want to talk with you more and figure out what your shoulders feeling like, mm-hmm. um, what, what issues you've been having. You, you gave me a little bit of a preliminary glimpse, mm-hmm. uh, as far as an accident you had, but just kind of, uh, glazing over things to make sure that, that you would be okay to, to jump back into shooting.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and then we would do we would essentially do if we felt you could a, a test to start out, but we right. do a test of just a half, a half a dozen arrows knowing mm-hmm. that you recently recently had a we'll c- call it an acute event, you know, where mm-hmm. you, you fall or you get in a car crash, something like that. But knowing that that was the case, you know, might might just do a test and hey, shoot half, half a dozen arrows. How does it feel during, how does mm-hmm. it feel right after, and how does it feel the following day? Right. Get a report on that. And then from there we would build up Um mm-hmm. a, a pretty, a pretty conservative uh, approach that um, would work for most people. If let's say they were off, they hadn't shot their bow for more than probably more than a month or two. Mm -hmm. Um, I say, I say, start, start with six arrows, Mm -hmm. start real, start real modest and increase by three arrows each day, taking a rest day every third day. So uh, first day, you pick it up. I shoot six arrows. Do, do I feel okay during, after, and then the next day? If I do, then add three arrows. Right. I shoot nine arrows that day. Do I feel okay during, after, and the next day? Great. But hey, it's, it's a third day, so mm-hmm. we're going to rest. Right. Okay, the next day, shoot 12 arrows, assess how you feel. Right. The next day, shoot 15, see how you feel. The next day is a third, third day, so you'd rest. And then essentially you're just doing that for over the course of a, a, a just a week or two really. And right. as long as everything's going, okay, get to the arrow volume that you're, you're looking to shoot uh, consistently. That might be anywhere from might just be 20 arrows for some people. They mm-hmm. might, other people might want to be up towards 40, 50, 60, obviously uh, just depends on what the goal is, what the intention is there. Right. Um, but it's And that's just a, you know, that's just a general, general format or guideline The overwhelming principle is, is a couple of key points. Number one, there's no such thing as starting too conservative. Um, Especially if you're not, if you're not trying to get ready for, you know, a a rut hunt, or you're not trying to get ready for uh, a big archery shoot, you know, with thousands of dollars on the line, then you can afford to start conservative and go slow. Um, so start conservative with, with uh, a small amount of arrows and then just slowly build up and, and be disciplined to that. And, um, you know, I admittedly I'm, I'm one of the, the worst at that because I love to <laughs> shoot so much, I know, right? um, that I often shoot, shoot more than I, I probably should. Um, but I, I, I love it and I, I make sure I do uh, what I need to do outside of archery as far as taking care of my shoulders through that. Um, but when we're talking about, you know. The, the ultimate goal of what I do is to keep guys in the woods, keep guys bow hunting, uh, throughout their lives, keep guys, uh, from, from having archery taken away from them. Um, these are the types of things that, that make a difference. Right. So, and, and that, what you, know, you mentioned the there was,
2: was really kind of what my, what's been driving me to kind of pay more attention to like massage therapy, chiropractic adjustments and stuff like that. Because, you know, whenever he did the evaluation of my body and like how it moves, he asked me what my goals were and my goal, you know, what I said to him was, is that it's the same as why I work out, you know, you know, several days a week is I want to continue to be able to hunt the way I like to hunt for as long as I can without compromise. Right. You know, I was like, I, yeah. I know at some point age will require a compromise. I get that. Like it does to everybody. Right. I was like, but I want it to be sure. age, you know, comp compromising and not my physical capabilities, you know, before the next exactly. time, yeah. you know? So yeah. that's interesting. That's the way you phrase it. So I want to move to, you know we talked about that, that draw shoulder kind of issue. Let's talk yeah. about the, the bow shoulder, or the riser shoulder. Like what are some causes you're seeing there for, for, for pain and some, in some issues there?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you asked that. I did want to touch on that. So your, your original question, we were just on, you know, you had asked what are some of the common things. The first mm-hmm. one, just as a summary, the first one was forcing into that draw style. The second one was, um, uh, basically, a uh, uh, vulnerable, uh, approach to, uh, either increasing arrow volume or getting back into shooting uh, or mm-hmm. shooting too much for what that individual can handle. Yep. And then the third one does have to deal, does have to deal more with the bow shoulder, but you could apply some of this to the draw shoulder, but we do see it a lot in the bow shoulder. And that is what I would categorize as, um, voluntary or involuntary fault in the shoulder. And, hmm. uh, the reason why I put it, Put it like that is at the core level. Uh, we're talking about a fault, meaning a a position or a mechanic in that shoulder that is vulnerable and compromising the integrity of the shoulder. Um, so it's you're doing something wrong. Is best best uh, simply put. Right now uh, with that, I have mentioned voluntary or involuntary. So voluntary is what uh, uh, most people are going to be more familiar with. It's the hey you you are. Um, you're, you're holding that shoulder in a position where that shoulder is too high, so we need to get it down. Where that shoulder's rolled forward, we need to drive it back. Where that shoulder blade's collapsing towards your spine, causing a weak weak joint, weak foundation, we need to get it more solid into the uh, pressure of the bow. It's things that, you know, to the naked eye that, that can be corrected, that can be changed through the archer's own voluntary effort. Um, so sometimes that... It um, takes just a, a discussion and uh, a little bit of practice and a little bit of awareness, and then some extra support from uh, teaching the the archer uh, what to do as far as making those changes. Or we can have this other side, and, and that's what I, where I called it an, an involuntary fault. And that essentially means that under the the archer's own power, regardless of everything they can do. There are things happening within that joint or within that shoulder blade that are compromising the shoulder that the archer can't uh, huh. voluntarily change just by uh, engaging something or, or moving or positioning something a different way. Right. It's that they either lack they either lack number one the mobility in the shoulder to, to, to um, make the change where they're just hitting a hard. Stop in their shoulders getting forced into a bad position. And no matter how hard they try, they can't push through that resistance or that tightness. Mm-hmm. You can have a, a lack of mobility. You can have a, have a lack of, um, we call it motor control, which just means that, um, that that person doesn't have, on a foundational level, doesn't have the, the control to move and position their shoulder the way they need to. Or third would be they just lack the strength to get in the position that is going to be uncompromised, going to be strong and going to be uh, technically sound. So it's, right. it's, uh, it's, uh, kind of an underlying issue where no matter how much someone is coached, no matter how much uh, someone watches watches a video and tries to make the change, they don't have the physical capabilities, whether that be the mobility strength or motor control to, to actually get to where they need to be. And right. that is, that is where, um, the archer is then really dependent on, hey, we need to we need to strengthen the shoulder blade, we need to strengthen that rotator cuff, we need to stop stop that arm from just rotating forward and rolling forward into a bad position. It's we just gotta get some of that muscle stronger. Um and it, it varies from person to person, you know. Um some people, uh they for for a lot of different reasons can be just well set and well equipped. Um for everything they need to do in archery, and they they never have issues. And then there's other people who um, just weren't given a, as as nice of a hand of cards, and right. um, their their bodies just don't naturally have some of those keys that you need on a on a foundational level. So sometimes we have to go in and build and, those up, uh, really right. uh, build those up, and address those things. Yeah, exactly.
2: Nice. Yeah, and so. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds very. I mean, if anyone out there listening is like, if you've if you've you know played sports or whatever, right? It's you know, um, you're you're usually trying to you know work on whatever your weakness is from like a strength standpoint. You kind of identify what those are, and those become the things that you, you know, that you work on. Or if you've ever had an injury to like a a knee or whatever, right? It's like you you then have to rebuild the rebuild the knee. You know what I mean? If you're having if you're having right. an issue or whatever, um, which are all kind of you know. Again, I think people gloss over and overlook those things about archery until it becomes a problem, right? Because we don't think of them in the same kind of, in the same kind of vein, even though, look, we're using our skeletal and and muscular system, you know, similarly, just applying the, applying it differently, you know? Um, So it has the same opportunities to break down and and show weaknesses and vulnerabilities just as a, just as a damaged knee would for a football player or whatever, coming back from an injury. So, uh, yeah. And one, yeah, so we totally. talked about, you know, what, you know, some of those vulnerabilities are, you know, in the, you know, the, the three kind of top ones that you, that you most often see. Th- let's talk a little bit about, you know, preventative, right? Cause you know, the old saying, mm-hmm. an ounce of prevention is worth a, a pound of cure or whatever. Right. That's <laughs> kind of like the yeah, old, yeah, old yeah. saying. Yeah. And I think as I, I yeah. it might just be, it might just be as you get older, like you start thinking of things in those terms, because, you know, I'll be honest, man, you know, I've had plenty of injuries in my life. Um through sports and stuff like that. You know, some significant, some not so. And the recovery time was pretty quick to be to be honest. This is sure. really sure. what I'll say is the first injury that I've had that uh since I've gotten older, so shall we say, that is something I just didn't bounce back from in like a couple days. You know, to where it's right. like it's stuck around and lingered. I did have a foot issue before I went to Montana, that was more from overuse and running and training to go West to hunt. Um, you know, and that healed (laughs) itself relatively quickly. Once I kind of, you know, eased off of it and gave it some time. This is the first one though, where I've, I've tried giving it time. I've gone and done, you know, like I said, chiropractic adjustments. I've gone and, you know, done some physical therapy type stuff. and, And it just isn't responding as quickly as I would like, um, or as quickly as it maybe has, you know, other things have in the past. And so, with that, I'm sure. certainly thinking more and more now about preventative, right? Like, so what are the things I can do? Because I, like I said, I work out, you know, probably anywhere from three to five days a week, depending on my schedule and what I can, what I can get in, you know? And so now yeah. it's like when I'm thinking about my workouts differently now, because before it was just how much could I rip through and being as good a shape as I can yeah. be in. And it's more from a health perspective, right? But now I'm starting yeah. to think about, yeah. you know, about archery and the things that I like to do. So travel hunts. Rugged country hunts, shoot my bow and starting to think about, well, how do I how do I adapt these my workouts to not just be healthy, but also to fulfill those things that I want to be able to fulfill long term with the hobbies and the things I like to do. Right. And so a very long winded way of saying, you know, what are things are what are some things that archers should consider or be thinking about in the attempt to avoid injury?
3: Yeah. Good question. Um, it is a broad question, but I will, I will cover it. Yeah. And and we don't have to be
2: completely comprehensive. I'm just, I want to give people a taste and a flavor for, you know, yeah, there are certainly things you can be doing to, to prevent some very common common things. And I think that that might be our best kind of approach.
3: Yeah, sure. So, um, let's see where I want to start. Um, when we're considering workouts, and And what just kind of the average person uh, is going to be doing or could be doing to make sure that it supports our archery and and just overall function for life, you know, because we're we're I think, probably thinking about hunting on the grand scheme of things. Um, that's I'll say that's the big motivator for uh, the, the start of this little portion of the conversation is that um, things have to be geared towards supporting. Um, hunting and and and, uh, and health and and just overall function so right um with that being said if we're if we're thinking about archery uh we'll focus on that one of the first things that that i'm thinking about for the average person is seeing seeing good variation in diversity in what that person is doing for the upper body and it, one of the top examples is um many guys will fall Uh, prey to doing a whole lot of different pressing and pressing work, everything from uh, any sort of bench press or chest press or dip uh, variation, shoulder press variations, that sort of stuff, Mm -hmm. Um, which is all well and fine, but not balancing it with enough pulling work Mm -hmm. and shoulder blade work. So that is one of the, that is one of the big things right off the bat is that there's got to be a good balance there because what that can end up doing is so much of that front loaded type work, the pressing work, uh, can in time put the shoulders into a position that's not going to uh, encourage good function and healthy function uh, for the long term. So mm-hmm. we'll say that we'll say balanced work, balanced work overall um, for the upper body. One, the, one of the second things that comes to mind is prioritizing quality of movement and ensuring that that's not sacrificed for uh, intensity and, hmm. uh, and, and weight and, and volume or repetition. Right. Uh, meaning that maintaining good positions in this, and this, and I realize that this is very broad, you know, I say good positions, well, what is that? Um, but maintaining good positions and, and good movement in all of your, your upper body and your lower body work. So, um, part of that does require a little bit of learning about what's going to be good, what's going to be bad. But, um, making sure that that person is is again putting at the top of their list moving well with that movement versus um just seeing how many weights or how much weight and how many reps they can pump out for for example um you know you might take you you might take a um, a pull-up or some sort of cable row for instance right you can just hammer those out and try to rip as much as you can as many as you can um, or you can still hit it hard, but make sure shoulder blades are squeezing down and back, making sure that you're minimizing lower back arch, uh, making sure that it's a back dominant pull again with shoulder blades, the lat, uh, mm-hmm. and getting good movement there, uh, would be a simple example. So right. we said, um, an overall balance uh, of balance and variety and diversity of what that person is doing for the upper body, uh, prioritizing good quality movement over intensity or reps of weight um third thing would be making sure that uh, that person is addressing or at least maintaining their range of motion so um some people are not some guys or girls are not tight they're they're plenty flexible so that person just wants to should be using that range of motion Mm -hmm. in their shoulders so doing uh full range of motion presses doing overhead pulls uh, doing different exercises. I've got a lot of them on my page uh, that's going to be using the range of motion. If somebody is tight and, and they lack flexibility in range of motion, then there's somebody who is going to want to or need to uh, make sure that that's part of something that they're looking at and part of uh, part of what they're doing um, for their, their regular routine. <laughs> and then I would say the last thing that would uh, probably cap this off is making sure that uh they are uh, they are still hitting what I like to call the nuts and bolts of the shoulders. And it goes back to, you know, rotator cuff and shoulder blades and um things like that. As far as it's easy to, you know, go into a workout, go into a gym and bang out some push ups, some pull ups and um, you know, great, we're we're on our way. And uh and sometimes you can get away with that and sometimes it doesn't cause an issue. Uh and that's great. But uh, for many people at some point down the road, um, they've Develop some of the obvious uh, portions of their body, but have neglected some of the smaller things uh, that are particularly important in archery, such as the rotator cuff, the muscles around the shoulder blades, uh, the range of motion we just talked about earlier too. So mm-hmm. uh, it's getting a little bit more specific and and not uh, leaving those things out. And um, <clears throat> like I said, there's I, I try to put some good stuff out on my page, so there's some information there. Uh, we offer you know, a whole bunch of different types of training too. Um, so the, the goal is to make sure that these tools are available for, for those people that want to, because like I mentioned earlier in, in our talk, the, the goal for me is, um, to make sure that, that people get to hunt as long as they want. People get to shoot a bow uh, as much as they want and, and don't have that taken away from them. And, um, right. you know, I, I, I want to offer the tools and have the tools. Uh, which which I do and I try to make them as accessible as possible and uh and these types of conversations are awesome because it's just if anything just gets the ball rolling a little bit and just get um, some people thinking about uh, what they might be able to add in or or do extra right uh, to make sure that they they don't run into issues and that they can prevent the types of things you're talking about
2: right and i think you know to your point the important piece is that it's it starts the ball and and gets them thinking about these things whether they have currently have an injury and they've been kind of putting it off or not sure what to do or someone who maybe is getting older and is like recognizing like hey there's some potential here for me to you know to have a problem so let's figure out how to not have one or the person maybe yeah. who's working out going like, yeah, that would sound great. I should probably be, and what I'm hearing you, and this is a word that I like to use for this type of stuff is like, is be intentional in your, in your workouts mm-hmm. to, to, to yeah. facilitate the things that you want to facilitate. Right. Cause I've been very sure. guilty of what you kind of talked about where a lot of pu- pushing types of exercises. I do a lot of just like hit style, you know, workouts, kettlebells, mm-hmm. you know, and sure. my injury. that was a lot of sure. the stuff I was doing. Um, and I wasn't necessarily working on my back. So again, going back to whenever I had that kind of readout with my Cairo, you know, whenever he saw like my muscle structure and stuff like that, like he immediately was like, dude, he's like, you do like, he's like, I would imagine the pulling that you do for a workout is shooting your bow. <laughs> you know, he was like, mm-hmm. cause sure. the right side of your back, he was like, it's pretty defined. You know, he was like, and yeah. everything else is just completely pulling forward <laughs> and is being pulled from the top of your left shoulder down across your back to your right horizontally, you know, it was like, he's like, and that's what you got going on. You know what I mean? He's like, so it's pretty, it's pretty obvious what muscle groups you're working and which ones you're neglecting, Um, which is playing a lot, playing into, I think the lingering effect of the, of the injury that I, that I currently have, but you know, two, two part question. One, I just want to touch on really quickly. And then I want to dive into, you know, Mm -hmm. so a dealing, dealing with a, with, with an injury. So first, mm-hmm. you know, how much do you kind of prescribe to like the, the aspect of, you know, stretching? Cause you, you mentioned mobility. So it's like, you know, yeah. yoga and stretching and stuff like that. How much of that do you kind of look at and say, yeah, this has to be a part of it to maintain that, that mobility or what's your approach, I guess, mm-hmm. to, to mobility. And then this, I'll yeah. let you answer that first. And then I want to move into the, and then I want to move into the injury aspect.
3: Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Uh, because it, it it's something that I, like to, um, try to provide more clarification on, I don't want to educate people cause you know, I'm, it sounds like I'm on a pedestal or something. Right. Um, but, um, th- this is important. The question you just asked, and you said, you know, how much do you, uh, do you value or, or value stretching and, and push the mobility? Um, and the reason why it's important to me is because, uh, the answer is not very much. Um, and the reason for that is the shoulder is the most mobile joint in the body. It's more, mm-hmm. it's more mobile than the hip, right? The, mm-hmm. the shoulder is a ball and socket joint. And what that means is that we by nature, uh, we're given this shoulder that I'm doing it right now as I walk in my kitchen, uh, that, that moves incredibly well. You can swing it in a circle. You can raise it overhead. You can scratch your back with it. It's incredibly mobile. So the reason why I say that is because for a lot of people, and they're surprised by this, but for a lot of people, they have all the flexibility they need. Hmm. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not all that common that I get, I, uh, get an archer um, that I assess and they've got a lot of tightness in their shoulder. Um, when, I, when I work with general population and other athletes more, it would be the case. But uh, most mm-hmm. people, most, not all, most people have all of the range of motion and flexibility that they need. Mm-hmm. So, you're listening, you say, okay, great. What's that mean? It, that means that a little bit of stretching to maintain that is okay, or if it feels good, that's okay. But if I already have all of this range of motion in an already mobile joint, then I don't necessarily need to crank on it and just try to open up more range of motion to do what with, right? right. So, for a big chunk of people that, again, have all the range of motion they need, I'm more concerned about stabilizing that Hmm. shoulder, which means bracing it, getting it strong and solid in all of those ranges of motion. Mm -hmm. I'm more concerned about stabilizing the shoulder and then using that range of motion. For instance, if somebody has all the flexibility they need, then I want them doing good quality, pressing, uh, variations, pressing overhead and using that range of motion and getting strong with that range of motion. Um, I don't, I don't want to see that person, uh, crank into crank on that shoulder and just try to stretch it even more because again there's no need it's not going to provide any value if it's
4: already there. Right. So
3: um with that big group of people not much or or much at all. Um I'm one of those people and and as far as my shoulder specific work I maybe five percent of it is stretching. But <laughs> for the other for the other kind of category of people who okay we assess the shoulder and we find out that it's tight and more specifically in what ranges of motion or what positions is it tight, Mm -hmm. then yes, we'll use a little bit of uh, stretching because we do want range of motion in that shoulder. However, in a shoulder that is tight, there's often, there's often a reason that it's tight. And what I mean by that is like we said, by nature, that ball in the socket, that joint, that shoulder joint, is is very mobile based on its structure.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So for it to become tight, there's typically a reason for that. Often, that reason will be is because it's unstable hmm. in certain in certain positions it's or com- movements.
2: It's compensating for lack of in some in, in another area.
3: Exactly, right. because in certain ranges, it doesn't feel braced and stable and protected. It will tighten itself. Right. So. Yes, we can still use a little bit of stretching there, but we still need to look at at getting that shoulder stronger and getting it to use its range of motion and stabilize that shoulder in addition to stretching. So um, so, uh, hopefully that hits home because, you know, I'll have people ask me all the time, you know, what stretches should I do? What stretches should I do? What are some good stretches? I know they're kind of just asking a general question of what stuff should I do, but uh, it's just kind of, you know, a lot of people... Do go to the idea of stretching. Oh, my shoulder hurts. I need to stretch. Shoulder hurts. I need to stretch. And right. the 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 majority of the people that I'm working with, um, the the majority of work that they're doing is is not stretching, and and it uh, is effective. Um, and right. of course, is dependent on the individual. And the, the last thing I'll say too um, is that I know that you know this. We're not just totally uh, focused on archery and not concerned about anything else in life, but um, when we're thinking about archery too, if we look at archery, uh, in and of itself, the, the flexibility demands are not that they are not that high. It's not, right. it's not a gym, a gymnast who's swinging on rings. It's not an Olympic weightlifter who's putting a barbell overhead. Um, we need to see some movement and rotation from, uh, particularly the draw shoulder and a little bit of movement in the bow shoulder, but, um, by and large, the, the, Shoulders are under demands related to force and tension and load, which is all a matter of strength and stability. They're not so much under demands of being uh, highly stretched or, or pushed into excessive ranges of motion. Right. So, um, that totally—that tot- that totally a, makes a good question.
2: No, that totally makes sense. I mean, as you were talking, like I'm thinking, like it's not a hamstring, you know what I mean? That needs that right. flexibility, or it could, or it could pop if you overexert it. You know what I mean? It's like, so sure. it's not that type of, that type of muscle group where it, it has a different, it plays a different, a different role. You know, for me, you know, <clears throat> just in, in the interest of just overall health to a degree, I, uh, you know, I work yoga into my routine just as a,
3: sure as a normal. And, and not a bad thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah no, not not a, bad thing. not a bad thing at all. It's just one of those things that I, you know, work into it as, as part of my usual routine and, and it's not any more than probably like twice a week. And it's just because I get other benefits of it outside of like archery, you know, there's other benefits that I'm getting. From well, it. So yeah. And, it and, stays.
3: Yeah. And, and what I want to clarify there is, um, I guess in, when you were asking, uh, in reference to, to stretching, I was referring to the shoulders and what was no, yeah, for the shoulders totally. as far as, as far as the rest of the body. Absolutely. There's, there's yeah. stretching again, has, a, has its time and place and role there. Yeah. Uh more so. for
2: sure. Yeah, no, ex- absolutely, and I and I totally am glad you clarified because I was totally picking up that you were talking about the shoulder specifically for archery purposes. But good, yeah. good to clarify fly, that that we're not that we're, we're not dissing stretching.
4: <laughs> no,
3: no, it's, um, it's it's stretching. Stretching is a tool, right? Yeah. And, and tools are are best used in the right time and place. And uh, and and for the shoulders, it's a tool that I I find my use myself using less and less often, but. Certainly for other components of the body. Yeah. That's going to be the, uh, helpful component more often.
2: Right. So now I want to move into, um, injury related things now at this point, and I guess we'll just use me as a, as a Guinea pig here, just cause it's what I'm, what I'm familiar with, um, and get a sense of, you know, how you would break down, the, you know, what may be causing it. And I know it's hard to do because, you know, we're just doing this kind of on the fly. Um, and so I guess maybe the easiest way to do it is to just give you the, the case study (laughs) of my, of my injury. And then just want to hear you just kind of go through and and break down. Like, this is kind of like what you're hearing the causes. And then, you know, and I don't need specific workouts or whatever, just like, what are some muscles or things to consider that would be, would be helpful from a rehab process standpoint. So we just kind of get a glimpse of like the, uh, programmatic approach that you have, to kind of assessing these things and then being able to put together a plan for like ultimately how you help someone get back on the right side of the bow. If that makes sense.
4: Sure. Cool. Sure. Yeah.
2: So climbing a stick and I don't even know if I've told this on this, on this podcast, but I was about six foot up, slipped off a stick. I use Um, It was a wet morning and the tree was a little bit damp and I had my toe dug in and it slipped. So as I fell to Mm -hmm. keep myself from hitting the ground and smacking my head off the ground or whatever, having my foot still stuck in a stirrup, I, with my left hand, grabbed the top step of my stick, and it swung me around the tree. So I overextended mm-hmm. my shoulder as it kind of like wrapped me around, right? Hurt mm-hmm. for a moment. I got up, you know, or got myself back onto the ground, and I finished climbing, set up, and hunted, hunted that morning. And then got down and went home, and it didn't really bother me until like a day or day, like a day later. I was just sore. You know what I mean? I was like, huh? I was like, that's okay. weird. Why, why am I? Yeah. Why I'm a little bit sore? And I realized I fell, so I was like, oh, I fell out of the tree. So you know, a little beat up from that. So no big deal. <laughs> sure. Um, it lingered on. I kept shooting. It didn't really bother me. You know, too bad. It's like it was something that was there when I was drawing. Now this was my left arm, right? So that's my bow arm. Shooting, yeah. shooting, shooting. You know, as things time goes by, it feels like it's getting a little bit worse, but it's not crazy terrible. Now, mind you, this is the same shoulder that I've probably dislocated like three different times. Um, okay. and I'm getting ready to leave for my hunting, my rut trip in Missouri. And I wake up like a week before I'm supposed to leave. And for whatever reason, like it just was like on fire that day. And then it had been like that basically since before I left and got to the point to where it's like even putting pressure on, like putting my forearm on a table and like lifting myself off the table, you know, to get up from something or whatever, like hurt to the point of like, yeah. you know, significant discomfort. Now I went and, on the hunting trip could pull back my bow. Didn't really shoot while I was on the trip, came back and just even pulling the bow back hurt. Right. Um, yeah. Finally went and, you know, started seeing someone to try to, to try to figure it out. And the pain was basically like rated like the, I guess it's maybe a burst of sack. that's right at the front of the shoulder. I think is what I've kind of like narrowed it down to, to a degree. But then I have like these Mm -hmm. shooting pains that are kind of like down my tricep, you know, into my, into my elbow. And then on the front end of my bicep, like right around where that tendon where the bicep tendon would be, right? And yeah, so yeah, I've done tons of chiropractic adjustments and stuff like that. They, those have seemed to help. Um, you know, and I have, you know, seen like a therapist uh, guy that's been kind of helping me with like certain exercises and stuff like that to kind of try to strengthen things sure. and work my way through it. Funny thing is is when sure. I work out and actually use it, it feels way better than whenever I keep it immobile. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. With that, I know that that's like a quick like Cliff Notes version of like what I have going on, but just I want to give people an appreciation for just kind of how, you know, and feel free to ask me questions because we'll, we'll use this as a case study so people kind of understand like how this works.
3: Yeah, sure. So um, you gave me some good background information there. You're describing uh, what what had happened, what you had felt up to that point, what what has been helpful, what has not been helpful. Um, the, the first thing that jumps out at us is that you had uh, what we, what's called an acute injury. Mm-hmm. And that means uh, acute injuries are, are, are along the lines of falling off of a stick, uh, mm-hmm. car crash, flipping, flipping on ice, um, uh, picking up a, a baseball that, that rolled over to you at a pic- picnic and throwing it once and hurting your shoulder. Uh, stuff like that <laughs> that happens one time uh, at a specific event. Opposed to the opposite would be something that's more chronic, and that's you know, hey, I've been shooting my bow for the past couple of months, and slowly started to feel some pain coming on, or um, you know, hey, I started uh, uh, rock climbing, and um, my elbows started to bother me over time, stuff like that. That's more gradual. Right. Um, so um, knowing that it's knowing that it's acute issue, that's that's one of the big things there. Uh, also, knowing that you, it sounds like I'd, I'd have to maybe have you show me if we were on a video call or describe it again but it sounds like you got pushed into uh, a pretty excessive range of motion Mm -hmm. yes so we we know that we know that the the injury was um you know maybe a little bit based on load Mm -hmm. uh, but more so based on getting pushed into an extreme position uh whereas you know a, a load based injury would be uh, something like you know, I was bench pressing and just going for a one rep max, and um, uh, you know, went, went bad, you know, something like that, where it's just based on load. Right. Yours wasn't so much, it was based on getting pushed into that excessive range. And the reason why that's important is uh, knowing that I am going to shy, uh, well, I would say first that I'm going to look at uh, what ranges of motion are uncomfortable for you, what ranges of motion um, don't feel good, or maybe are limited. Uh, what ranges of motion do feel okay and do feel strong. And then we're going to play play the game with trying to find what positions do we want to try to stabilize that shoulder to get it to calm down and begin to accept movement, accept load again, right? Because mm-hmm. you're pushed into an excessive range of motion. Um, and I, I'm not going to necessarily want to, just start cranking on it more, right? If if the place you got hurt in was being stretched, I don't want to take you back to that place in which you got hurt in, uh, which is stretching more. I'm going to look more towards how can we strengthen that shoulder, stabilize it, get it to um, do all the things that often happen when we strengthen and stabilize the shoulder. And that, it can often get the shoulder to calm down. It can get the tissues to calm down. Uh, It it can decrease your perception of pain or, or how you feel that pain. Decrease the sensitivity to that pain as that shoulder starts to feel uh, load again, and in and, and good loading, uh, it starts to accept it more. Then we can start to get into a little bit more movement, um, which will allow us to get that shoulder moving under some load, but not necessarily, you know, just cranking on it and stretching right. it. So we're thinking about using that shoulder and and taking the clues as we go go along. What are you doing well with? What are you not doing well with? And continue to build in that process. Now, what is difficult, and, and um, you know, I'm I'm sure that you've thought about it up to this point, is in the instance of an acute injury like that, there is a, a possibility for um, some damage to to an actual structure. Where right. um, when you have a an acute episode like that, where it's like bang right here, we stress or strain something, there can uh, potentially be some damage to a structure now in that case that's something that then goes uh, beyond me that is something that i don't diagnose i don't i don't work with uh, something that's going to be related to actual physical damage so that's something that would have to be uh, looked at and evaluated and determined by um, either an orth- orthopedic surgeon or um, or someone else in that realm right um, to move forward with that so. right Nice. Yeah.
2: I mean, you kind of hit the, you kind of hit the nail on the head with all the stuff that <laughs> I've been kind of going through. So it's not been a lot of stretching. Mm-hmm. It's been, yeah. it's been a lot of, you know, whenever I've been working with the um the phys- physical therapist fellow that I've been doing some stuff with, it's been a little bit of mobility stuff, right? So to, like almost like mm-hmm. range of range of motion, because it's getting stiff and not wanting to move as it should. So like, kind of think what you were kind of talking sure. about before it's like, I'm not trying to increase the mobility of the joint per se. I'm just trying to get it to do what it, what it's supposed to do because it wasn't, it sure. wasn't doing sure. that without pain. Right. So they've been kind of working with me sure. on that and then doing a lot of what you had talked about previously, which was starting to balance out the muscles. That way they can get to a point of understanding, you know, is the shoulder and uh, willing to take pressure and load whenever it starts to strengthen itself Do this, do the issues still manifest? you know what i mean because if right. so then we might have to start talking about well what are some of the other possibilities that could be could be happening right and so that's kind of where i'm at in the in the in the path of 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 healing at the uh of healing at the moment so you are uh your your <laughs> your prognosis or your uh ability to kind of visualize what what i got going on via via a phone <laughs> conversation was pretty accurate man so <laughs> so kudos on that well,
3: Cool. That's, that's, that's a good thing yeah and that- that just speaks to, um, that it sounds like you're working, uh, with some good people that are doing, doing some things along the, along the right line, uh, yeah. which is great. So I'm glad to hear that you've, you've gotten some good help so far.
2: Awesome. So there's one last area. If you, if you have some time left, man, I don't want to keep, I want to keep you. Do you have Do you have a few yeah, minutes? No, though? I'm good. Okay, cool. There's um, yeah, one, I'm good. I'm good. there's one other area that I wanted to talk about a little bit. Cause we've kind of gone through probably, you know, you know i'm guessing you probably see a lot of folks for they're having an issue with something and they're trying to get something corrected or whatever the case is but then there's the other aspect of just overall improving your performance right um and i think sometimes you know people don't necessarily think about you know think about you know weight training or whatever the case is from an archery perspective in terms of impact of performance and i'll say even impact of hunting you know just you know hunting in general like your ability to move effectively through terrain and then the ultimate aspect of it of being able to pull off the shot when you need to pull off the shot and that your performance is capable to, to handle the situation. So, you know, how yeah. do we, we come back from an injury or whatever the case is, how do we retain what we have and just continue to improve our performance?
3: Now, when you say retain what we have, um, can you so say, I just so, to make
2: sure that. Sure. So you got, say, we, say we were working together and you got me back to homeostasis, right? You got me back to yeah. where I should be as though an injury never existed. We're back to, back to par, sure back to baseline, right? How do, how does, you know, how do you work with someone just to kind of keep them there? You know, you know, obviously preventing injuries, but more specifically, like I'm, I'm, I'm good on the, like, not getting injured front anymore. I'm not falling out of trees anymore. (laughs) I'm strengthening all the right things. Right. And and making sure I'm balanced and things like that. Now I'm really coming to you and saying, Hey, I feel great. I just want to up my game in terms of archery. I want to shoot more consistently. I want to shoot more accurate, accurately. How do I achieve
4: those things?
3: Sure. So um, uh, I think with something like that, it's not a um, it's not a single path. I think there's definitely multiple components and I'll I'll try to touch on those um, equally. Um, The first one. Well, let's get let's get the the kind of side ones off. Um, Certainly, as far as shooting effectively, shooting consistently, shooting accurately, uh, we know that there's a, a large mental component of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's a big component in archery and it's, it's an important one. Um, there's some good, good information out there. Um, I know that, um, a lot of people are, uh, very fond of, um, Joel Turner and what he does with shot IQ. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know he has some good information in relation to that. Um, I have not gone through any of his things, but I've seen a little bit of his information. Right, his, um, uh, and, and
2: I do. He, he talks a lot about closed loop versus open loop shooting, right? That's the fellow is that the yeah
3: yeah 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 so i i haven't i haven't uh, like i said gone through any of this stuff but just some of the general concepts um are uh that i i've taken just from a little bit of what i've seen um are things that are kind of obvious but just uh just really need to be hammered home and and just be prioritized uh really is the best way to put it Mm -hmm. and that's just things like um determination uh control and focus uh you know i was out shooting today in, in my barn and uh, you know, I catch myself just starting to kind of fling arrows and I say, okay, no, well, let's bring it back down to earth. Let's really focus on your shot process right. and let's really focus on this and, and be determined with the shot. So just, just, just uh, some simple reminders like that, that are going to put you in that mindset to, um, uh, to practice to the best of your ability mentally. Um, then you have the equipment, e- equipment side of things. And I'll be the first one to tell you Clint, that I am not the guy to talk to when it comes, <laughs> to, when it comes to equipment. Um, I, uh, I I have um, pretty much my whole, whole archer career gone to bucks and bows and, uh, Gibsonia, uh, PA and Rick and Tony have taken care of me tremendously. Um, so I basically do whatever they tell me to do as far, as far as equipment goes. And then, um, as far as recurve stuff goes, Tom Clum from, um, Rocky mountain, um, gear has uh, given me some good guidance there. So obviously there's a whole lot of equipment side of things, you know, guys will get into, you know, arrows and FOC and all kinds of different stuff. I'm not the guy to talk to you for that, but we know that that's an important component. Um, I don't believe that equipment makes you a good shooter by any means, but I do believe it. it, it it helps it's right. It's a tool. It's it's part of the equation. Um, and, uh, it it may not be the most important part of the equation, but it's part of the equation. Um, and then we get to the, the physical side of things, the, the archery side of things, the, or I should say, uh, physical and, and, uh, mechanical and technique side of things. And, uh, that's, you know, where I would say that's the category I fit into. And, you know, there's no, in all the different parts of that, you know, technique, uh, making sure the body is physically equipped to shoot bow, um, and shoot and and practicing, there's no substitute for, uh, shooting. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, as simple as it sounds, you got to put, as many arrows through that bow as, as time and as your body uh, and your mind allows. Right.
4: Um,
3: that's that there's, there's no substitute for repetition. Now where, where would I do where, um, where this comes in is kind of like you were saying, right? Um, okay. I don't have pain, so I'm, I'm not worried about that. My shoulders are in good condition. They feel good. I don't have any issues. So I'm not worried about that. We get to this third component, um, that I, I work with more so with target archers because they're the ones that are uh, more focused on this, mm-hmm. but it 's a, a perf- it 's a, a performance approach to archery, just like you know if we look at uh, baseball players or golfers um, they 're doing things outside of their sport to maximize what their bodies can do in the sport and right. um, again, I do this mostly with target archers, but it applies uh, it applies to any archers if if it 's something they're interested in, and that 's the idea of making sure that the body is, uh, as equipped as possible to shoot that bow as well as possible. And, uh, what I mean by that, we're thinking about primarily the stability and stamina of that body. Um, mm-hmm. we know through the research and the literature that, uh, fatigue diminishes performance in sport, particularly with control, mm-hmm. uh, in, in a sport. So um, when you talk about something like drawing and stabilizing and steadying and executing uh, a shot, um, any any amount of fatigue that is built up is going to diminish that. Uh, we also talk about things like, um, on top of stamina, um, being stable, uh, in the sense where you'll talk, you, you know, you'll hear from from certain guys where they say like, "Man, my pin is just floating all over the place, and like, I, I just it, I feel so unsteady." Um, well, that comes down to the, the nervous system and muscular control uh, throughout that whole system. Now, there is a little bit of a, there is a mental component there, but um, as far as the stability component, your nervous system has to be accurate and precise in the way that it controls your, your muscles, which hold your bones and your body and everything in a continual state of tension and in a constant point of tension. So that you can feel solid, you can feel stable, and then you can execute consistently. So, um, recapping all of that, there's certainly a mental component to shooting well. There's some good resources out there. There is um, the equipment side of things, obviously, that a lot of guys will talk about. Um, there is the technique and in, in shooting and uh, um, in, in form component um, that there's a lot of good information out there. There's archery coaches out there that are obviously very good. Uh, And then there's the physical side things and um, certainly a complex topic. But uh, the part I I focus on is for those people that shoot a lot and really want to gain that last few percent. We're looking at making sure that uh, we can maximize what uh, the body does from a stability and stamina point to be able to shoot the same way on the the first arrow to the hundredth arrow. Right uh, and everything in between.
2: Right, I mean it. It it makes sense, man. It's um it, I, again, I'll, I'll kind of start to wrap this up just like we kind of started it, which is, you know, when we talked about that adaptability and you know and, and that you know it's almost there's a strategy involved and there's these puzzle pieces. It's like archery and shooting the body is very much the same way, right? It's a puzzle piece. It's it's adaptable. It's pliable, and it will you know form to whatever pressures you apply. If we kind of then flip it right. to the idea of archery. Right, there's a lot of components that go into it. It's no different than the components that go into trying to trying to kill a big deer. That you have all these pieces that you need to try to fit together. It's the same thing when it comes sure. down to, to the actual execution of shooting. Like you mentioned, there's a multitude of things that are that are considered. They all play a they all play a role in, in 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 that. And I would say, you know, for me at least, you know, and you might have read or seen literature that that says differently. But for my mind and my money, you know. Yeah. All the other things, you know, being equal, the physical component of it, being able to control things physically. And then when we start talking about it physically, it's like if if I'm confident that I am in as good a shape as I can be in to execute the shot, all of a sudden the mental aspect of it becomes clearer and cleaner. Yeah. Right. Because I'm now confident that physically I'm going to be able to pull off what I can pull off. So now all of a sudden my nervous system is is uh is in alignment with where i where I would like to be which now all of a sudden i'm able to control my muscular system and my skeletal system better to help me yeah. confidently hold that pin where i want to hold it knowing that I can execute the shot right and you don't have to be a championship target archer to feel that you just have to be in a tree when your target buck walks up and feel yeah. buck fever and wonder how you're ever going to execute a shot if he gets close enough because you're losing your marbles That's when all that stuff kind of comes to play, right? It's like you now have the confidence because all the things are in alignment. I can pull this shot off because that buck fever is, is, is resembles or mimics that fatigue factor in sport. (laughs) Your knees get Mm -hmm. weak, your breath, your, your heart rate increases, and you still have to figure out how to sink that 12 foot putt, or you have to figure out how to hit that free throw, you know, with no time on the clock or throw that touchdown pass with as time is expiring in the fourth quarter. Or execute that archery shot to get the mount on the wall that you that, that, that you've been wanting to put on the wall. All are relatable, all are the same, and come down to that physical component and confidence, which then clears out the mental aspect to for you to be able to execute the things you're trying to execute. So that's kind of how that's kind of how I look at it, man. So I I view
3: yeah, I love it.
2: Yeah, I view the health aspect of it and the physical aspect of it in my mind is is probably more important than anything because you know, when you're hunting, I can will myself to go, to go further, go longer, go harder. If my body will allow me to. And a lot of times I'll find success. Just going back to the wrestling story. I wasn't the best and I wasn't the most technically sound, but I could, I had the confidence I could will my body to outperform the competitors. And I feel the somewhat the same right. way in bow hunting that look, I may not be the best hunter on the planet. I may not have all those strategic answers and stuff like that. But what I do know is that physically, I can probably go further and go longer and go harder than a lot of people, and that's the reason why I'll I'll right. find success in certain areas is because I will just be able to will my body to do more than the next than the next person, you know. And if that's yeah. the way you have to win, then yeah, then so 100%. be it. Yeah, one
3: hundred percent. I think It's very well said.
2: Awesome, man. Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on here, man. Um, Before I let you go, I don't want to eat up any more of your time, but before I let you get running, um, if you wouldn't mind, let people know where they can find out more about you, where they can find out more about archer Strong, and where they can find and follow along with your content.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. Um, primarily, the primary place that I'm putting out uh, content right now is uh, Instagram. I'm at archery dot strong, so it's archery and then a period and then strong. Um, when time allows, I want to uh, try to reach more people and put out more content on YouTube. So people can take a look at that or, or keep a lookout for that. And then the website is www.archery-strong.com. So it's archery then a small dash strong.com. Um, there's a lot of information about uh, what we do, how we do it, uh, training options, a uh, place to contact me. Um, I always tell people that please feel free to uh, reach out either through the website or on Instagram uh, through a message or my email. Um, I'm happy to hear from people, uh, even just to talk to questions or, um, if people have curiosities or whatever it may be, um, no strings attached. I I just like hearing from people and uh, seeing if I can help. So, um, yeah, that's awesome, man.
2: So yeah, guys out there, if you're dealing with an injury or don't want to deal with an injury or you want to just get better at shooting, you know, Get a hold of Chris. He's got some great content on his on his website. A lot of cool products uh, to to get involved with, and, and and that that are able to help facilitate, you know, achieving achieving your goals. So I'd urge you to to check out the content, check out his website, and if there's a program in there that feels right for you to get you to where you want to be, I would not hesitate um, and, and, and hitting Chris up and having a conversation with him and, and figuring out what may be right for you to meet, uh, to meet your goals. So appreciate you coming on brother and, uh, have a good rest of the year, uh, rest of the winter. I hope, uh, hope you get dug out soon.
3: <laughs> Thanks brother. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for the great conversation. I appreciate what you're doing and, uh, keep up the good work.
2: All right. Sounds good man. I'll talk to you soon.
3: All right, folks, that is a
2: wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five star rating. And hell, while you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there, too. I'd be super appreciative if you'd be able to do those two things for me. And before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible Tether, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Skull Brew Coffee Company, and Maven Optics. And until next time, we'll see y'all.